Hey, if you brought a Bible, John chapter 10 is where we're going to be. I encourage you to go ahead and find that. We're actually going to jump around a number of different places this morning, but John chapter 10 will set a foundation uh, for where we will be. While you're getting there, uh, I want to uh, do a couple things. Number one, we're going to start a brand new series next week that I'm super excited about. It's called FAQs, Frequently Asked Questions. We're going to tackle some of the questions that you all ask or that culture around you asks. Things like, you know, hasn't science pretty much proven there is no God? And uh, how could a good God allow pain and suffering and evil in the world? We're going to answer some of those questions starting next week. So I'd highly encourage you to come back for that. Uh, But while you're uh, finding John chapter 10, I want to sing a song for you. In my head. Uh, you trust me, nobody wants to hear this. But I'm going to clap the tune for you to see if you can m- maybe uh, recognize the song uh, as, I'm, as I'm clapping, okay? Nobody? Up above the world so high like a diamond. Okay. The reason I bring this up is because we, New Anthem Church, we are going somewhere. We have a vision. We have a mission. And if all you hear is, we're not getting to our destination very quickly, are we? The Proverbs actually says, where there, 29.18, where there is no vision, the people perish. So if I think you're hearing the song, and yet I'm the only one clapping the tune, we're not, we're not getting there. The people are going to perish. Plus, what's terrifying for me is that James chapter 3 says, as a pastor, as the leader of the church, I'm going to be judged twice as harsh. And so I need to make sure we're going the same direction, leading you the, and, and he, making sure you understand the vision of New Anthem Church. My goal for us today is to help us, everyone here, understand what we, New Anthem, do. This is what we do. Uh, that's the title of my message this morning. This is what we do. Almost titled it, This Is Us. But then I was curious, you know, if NBC would sue me and all that. I wasn't sure the legalities of all that. So here's my entire message in one sentence. You can jot this down if you're taking notes. New Anthem is not a menu of programs. We are a roadmap of next steps whose ultimate destination is life transformation. Uh, that's, that's my goal for you, life transformation. Uh, we're not a menu of programs. Uh, or, um, uh, we don't need you coming in and saying, you know, I'll order the uh, Wednesday night Awana and the Easter Cantata special to go, please. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. We are a roadmap of next steps, and our ultimate destination is life transformation. So if you nervously came to church this morning because, you know, somebody invited you, but your past experience says, you know, churches, they only want something from me, and, and I don't know if this is going to be like that. Let me, let me assure you, I do want something from you, 
okay? So if we can get that out on the table, what I want from you is life transformation. Uh, I want your finances transformed. I want your marriages transformed. I want your relationships transformed. I want your neighborhoods transformed. I want your workplaces transformed. I want your schools transformed. Come on, somebody. Like, like this is what we're about. Life transformation. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, God's goal for your life is to transform you from one degree of glory to the next. Uh, So let me make a, a biblical distinction here. What I need you to hear me say is that you don't have to change your life to get to God. Uh, God comes to you so that you can change your life. It's a huge distinction. Uh, It's not that you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to get to God. You know, Christianity is the only world religion that says, no, God comes to you so that you're empowered to do X, Y, and Z. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God shows up and meets you where you're at, and He bids you, come follow me. Again, separates Christianity from every other world religion. It's nothing that you've done. It's everything that God has done for you. That's why I'm so passionate about next steps. Following Jesus is just that. It's a journey. It's, it's, a, it's a course that you're uh, treading. You're trying to follow Jesus. This, uh, this church is just a compilation of the plans that God has for you. And God's got a plan for your life, and we just pile them all together, and that's the plan for this church. The danger facing each one of us is if you don't understand God's plan for you, you're in danger of settling for a counterfeit. We have an enemy in this world. He is very real. We call him the devil. Uh, He's been around for a long time. He's not dumb. He likes to uh, give you shadows of the truth. Uh, so that you'll think you're getting something good, but in reality, you're, you're settling for a knockoff. Uh, I can give you an example. I'm a product of the 80s. Uh, I know that sounds like a long time ago, uh, and it is. Uh, but I, I, I grew up, something popular in the 80s was something called Jordash jeans. Now, now, my family, we were too poor uh, to, to really buy anything, um, we used to lick envelopes for supper. That was what we, what we did. You know, you, you play the hand you're dealt. So um, I couldn't afford Jordash jeans. You know, I had to settle for Jordaint jeans. Uh, starter jackets, that, that was not in my, you know, handy. I had to get like stopping, you know, jackets or whatever the knockoff brand was called at the time. We didn't go to the mall. We went to J.C. Penney's at 5th and Main. You know, Newton people, you know what I'm talking about. The J.C. Penney's back then, they had the stairs that you had to go up for the kids section. Uh, anyway, in fact, the other day, Laura and I were actually at a mall in Kansas City, and uh, there was a J.C. Penney's, and she said, hey, let's go in there. And I was like, who are you? Some kind of savage? We don't shop at J.C. Penney's. Are you, are you 80 years old? Like, what are you talking? Did you order stuff out of the Sears? This is not for us. Uh, you know, if you shop at J.C.'s Penney's, you know, it's fine. Okay. She she went in by herself and found some stuff. I just pretended like I didn't know her until she put the sacks in the trunk of the car. So my point is that not everything good that you see is just that good. 
not everything that you see is good. Sometimes you're looking at a counterfeit. So what I want to do today is help you recognize the difference. God's got some legit antiquities waiting for you, and some of y'all are, you know, settling for some gift shop souvenirs. That being said, if you've been at New Anthem for any duration of time, you know that we do four things here. We bring, we build, we equip, we send. We bring people into a saving relationship with Jesus. We build them up in that faith. We equip them for ministry. We send them out on a mission to repeat that process wherever God has placed them. It's who we are. That's what we do. We bring, we build, we equip, we send it. Because we're committed to all four, not just building and not just equipping, but also bringing and sending your example, your giving, your prayers, they will go places you will never physically go. You think about something right now. Uh, At this moment that we're speaking, we're sponsoring children in Bolivia. They're holding church services right now, worshiping the same God that we are. Uh, We're sponsoring uh, um, missionaries, church planters in Turkey right now. They're helping convert people from Islam to Christianity. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to Turkey, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, but because we're helping, our prayers, our giving, our vision, that's all getting sent overseas right now. A few months ago, I had the privilege of baptizing a woman from Montana who watches us online. Her daughter uh, used to live here. She came to visit and said, you know what, I feel like this is my church home. Uh, I want to be baptized here. Amazing. That's fantastic. Uh, So again, we can't do those things probably individually. We can't corporately achieve that mission, though, if you're not individually living out your mission. We need everybody in this room to utilize the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given them. That begs the question, though, what is my, me, individually, what is my mission? I'm glad you asked. Now that I'm a pastor, probably one of the biggest questions I get over and over is, Pastor, what's God's plan for my life? I'd do whatever he said if he would just tell me what the mission is. Can you help me understand, discern what my plan, purpose is for you? Good news for you this morning, if you came to church today, uh, is I've done the hard work for you. And I can tell you exactly what God's plan is for your life. Here it is. Number one, to know him. God's plan for your life, to know him, to know God. Above any and every other thing in this world, God wants you to know him. It's why He's revealed Himself to us in Scripture. It's why He sent His Son Jesus to this planet to literally, physically, actually walk the earth so you would know Him, to know God. The most elementary way you can think of your uh, Scripture, what, what we would believe here at New Anthem to be the very words of God, the most elementary way you can think about that is the Old Testament, primarily about God the Father. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, primarily about Jesus, from Acts to Revelation, all about uh, God, the Holy Spirit. Now, it's certainly much more complicated than that. It's all woven together, and I totally get that. But theologians call this progressive revelation. God progressively reveals himself to us. Uh, what's cool is the, uh, because God is eternal, the more, you, uh, the more you get to study him and know him, and there's always something new to discover about him. 
because he is eternal. But God wants you to know him, to physically experience him in your life. The reason he sent his son Jesus, besides just so that you could see him and know him, is so number two, you can find freedom. Uh, uh, Find freedom. That's in God's plan for your life. I'm going to talk about that more in a second. But God doesn't want you living in what we would call the slavery of sin and unforgiveness. By knowing Him, and by accepting Jesus, you get to find freedom. Thirdly, God wants you to discover purpose. That's why we're devoting a whole message to that this morning. Discover purpose. God's got a good plan for your life. It's woven into a much bigger story that He's been trying to tell throughout the ages. But uh, you need to be intentional about discovering your purpose. Uh, So God wants you to know Him. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to discover purpose. All of that is so that, number four, you can make a difference. Make a difference. That's it. That's literally the point of your life. That's why God has put you on this planet. To know Him, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. If you're still alive, which it looks like most of you are currently, uh, that's why God has you you here. uh, To make... A difference. Now, like I mentioned earlier, you have an enemy who's going to try and give you something similar. He's going to give you hints of all of these things. And uh, in the end, though, it's just a bootleg of the original. You know, Satan's selling, you know, DVDs in, in the square trying to get you to buy something that's not out, you know, on DVD yet. Uh, how do we know that? Well, first of all, the devil doesn't want you to know God. He wants you to know yourself. Shadows of the truth. Know yourself. Uh, it's very important for, and not, not the real you. Never try and investigate the real you. Know the social media version of yourself. What you're trying to send and post for everybody else. That's who you need to know. That's why literally hundreds of thousands of books right now and articles uh, you can find anywhere about how to discover yourself. Know your feelings. Is that important? Absolutely, 100% yes. But the reason you should know yourself is because you were made in the image of God. And by knowing yourself, you get to know more about God. The reason the devil wants you to know yourself and culture wants you to know yourself and maybe to a certain extent even uh, your own thinking wants you to help discover yourself is so that you can, number two, find fame. It's not to find freedom. It's to uh, find fame. Uh, not about freedom through forgiveness. It's so you can become popular. It's fame and fortune. That's what the world says you should be chasing after right now. It's not purpose. Uh, So why do we need to find fame? Well, number three is so that you can discover a platform. Why? What's a platform do? do? It elevates you uh, so that people can see you. What's sad about the world that we live in today is it's uh, pretty easy for just about anybody to find a platform. Uh, You can post whatever opinion or feeling that you're uh, experiencing. And in a world of tolerance now that we've just decided everybody's opinion is valuable. How dare you say it's not? How dare you say that my feelings are no more valid than your feelings? But what's the point of fame and a platform? It's not for God's glory. It's, so that you can, it's not so that you can make an eternal difference in God's kingdom. It's so that, number four, you can make a dollar. That's why finding fame is important. It's why elevating yourself on a platform is important. It's so that you can make a dollar. Money solves everything. You know, haven't you heard? That's why most of you right now are feeling, if I just made more money, then my life would be so much better than it is. That's the moonshine that the devil is trying to get you to buy. 
He doesn't want you enjoying the tasty pleasures of Captain Crunch with Crunchberries. You know, he wants you getting crisp crunch or whatever that's called in the Ziploc bag, you know. There's no toy inside there. There's no way to stand that up and look at the maze on the back and read the box. That's what the devil wants you settling for. The devil, you know what, that's probably too good for him. Actually, the crisp berry, the devil ain't going to get you no crunch berries. You know, he wants you getting your mouth assaulted every time you bite into the Captain Crunch. You know what I'm talking about? Captain Crunch with no crunch. Who wants that? Like, I mean, I don't want to feel violated every time I dig into a tasty bowlful of cereal. Where, where is all this coming from? You're in John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus talking. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Just like crisp with no crunch berries, you know, robbing your dignity one bowlful at a time. That's the thief's purpose. Jesus says, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Like a crunch berry, very satisfying being there. See, contrary to cultural opinion, God's not trying to keep anything from you. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have fullness of life. He wants you to have satisfaction. He wants you to have significance. But there's a purpose behind those things. And His purpose is so that you can know Him and bring glory to Him because He's worth it. The devil's purpose is so that you can bring glory to yourself. It's not the same. I'll say it this way. Your life will only be as satisfying as the cause you attach to it. Whatever cause you find in life as satisfying, that's the only joy that you'll find in life. Well, I'd just like to, you know, yoke up to the one who created satisfaction. And I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to find satisfaction in his cause. Because the world, the devil to a certain extent, again, yourself, what you call satisfying, the Bible says it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. That, what God calls satisfying, it leads to life. That's why recognizing and counterfeit is such a big deal. There's a glimmer of hope in finding fame and, and getting money. On, on some level, yeah, I can see how that could be rewarding. But it never leads to life. The reality is all of those things only leave you wanting it's why in America right now we have this life stage called midlife crisis uh, because people have tried those things and found out that the American dream isn't so dreamy. It just leaves them wanting because there's a glimmer of hope in the new motorcycle. You know, there's a glimmer of hope in trading it in, uh, the old thing in and, and getting the new thing. But in the end, it never leads to life. Reliving the glory days never brings back that same sense of satisfaction that you had back then. And if you could be honest with yourself, you'd realize those things never have solved anything. You'd realize that if you live long enough, at some point you're going to experience something that fame, fortune, and a platform can never solve. You know, money doesn't cure cancer. Having a platform doesn't bring back a loved one. I know someone who can. I know someone who can cure cancer. I know someone who can lead you to life even though you've lost that loved one because there's hope that you'll see them again. You know what I'm talking about? God can do these things that money, fame, fortune, the platform can never do. 
Along that stream of thinking, parents, you might find this interesting. There was a university study conducted in Minnesota that asked the question of teenagers, to who or what do you turn to in times of trouble? And of the 54 coping options listed, talking with mom came in at number 31. 30 things teenagers find uh, better than talking to mom or dad. Talking to dad came in at number 48. I find that tragic. Dads, uh, we've got to do better at that. Here's what's alarming. Music, drugs, friends, and video games beat out mom and dad. Isn't that sad? The world is promising our children uh, that these things they can go to and it's going to solve their trouble. You see, that's the question that's being asked, right? That what do you go to in times of trouble? And, and it's, well, drugs, video games, and friends. Uh, and it's now why we have children as young as seven, I just read, uh, take their own life uh, in this country. Horrible, tragic. Uh, it's what the, the world is trying to say. You need to know yourself. Because see, if you knew yourself, then you'd understand what made you happy. Uh, whether it be video games, drugs, or TV. You don't need mom. You don't need dad. Uh, that's what the world is promising. Know yourself. Happiness finds, uh, you can find inside of you. And happiness will solve all of your problems. Wrong. For all of you, I want to give you something that will actually make a difference. I'm not just in the short term. I want to give you something that's going to make an eternal difference. You're not here by accident this morning. God brought you here to hear some things that can absolutely change your life. He wants to lead you somewhere that's, as John tells us, going to lead you to a satisfying and joyful life. Some of you have taken some wrong turns. God brought you here to put you back on track. How do we do that? This is what we do. We congregate. This is what we do. We congregate. We gather together with other believers to do something that matters. We're better together than we are individually. There are strength in numbers. And since uh, God said that He sent us into this world to accomplish something on His behalf, we're going to join up and we're going to be stronger and better for it. Uh, Scripture reminds us that God has entrusted to us, the believers, the ministry of reconciliation. Now that Jesus has gone home, we're the ones who get to tell everybody about Jesus. We're God's plan A. There ain't a plan B. So we congregate. See, coming to church every single week is not about making life more convenient. Although with us next week, starting two services, shameless plug at 9 and 1030, I hope you do find church to be more convenient in your life. You're not just pigeonholed into coming Sunday at 10. If you got something Sunday at 10, then you can't come to church. No, we got two options for you now. You can come at either time, but church is not about convenience. Church is about momentum. It's about us gathering together to get refueled and geared up to conquer the week ahead. Furthermore, sometimes church isn't even about you. It's about the person next to you. Uh, look at this, Hebrews 10.25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Just for the record, the average church attendance in America is 1.8 Sundays a month. I would call that 
habitually not meeting together. Uh, but let us not neglect meeting together, some in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of return is drawing near. Do me a favor. Just look at your neighbor on the right and on the left. You don't have to say anything to them. But in your mind, what I want you to think is, man, they could really use some church right now. Like... <laughs> Like in your mind, you can judge them a little bit. We don't actually do that here, just for the record, if you're a guest with us. It's totally joking. Uh, never mind, that was a bad joke. But we are brought here to encourage one another. That's why we gather. That's why we celebrate. That's why I say church should look way more like a party than a funeral because we got something to celebrate. Closer to Jesus is what we get to do every single week. That's why we're gathering here to encourage each other. Watch this, John fifteen eleven. I have told you these things so that you may be filled filled, filled with my joy. Yes, your joy is going to overflow. You're so full of joy. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. Point of us gathering together is to celebrate everything that God has done in our lives. There's something powerful that happens in a congregation. You can't always encourage yourself. You can't always serve yourself. Sometimes you need some people to come alongside you and help offer that encouragement for you. Sometimes you've got to ask for help. Sometimes you, you can't rely on yourself. That's why God says it's not good for man to be alone. It's why in eternity past, God's never been alone. There's always been three, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, which means you are created to be in relationship because you're created in God's image. But that can't happen coming together, accomplishing God-sized tasks, congregating together. That can't happen if you haven't discovered your God-given purpose. Look at this, Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I think what the author of this psalm is uh, symbolically and poetically describing for us is how God has already seen what your purpose can become. It's in his book. Uh, All according to this passage, God wrote your first chapter. He knit you together. You might have surprised your parents. You did not surprise God. Uh, He saw that, uh, and he wrote that in the first chapter. But God has also seen your last word. It says, all my days are written down. Now, what's cool about all of this, that that God's written your first chapter and he's seen your last word, is the fact that you get to write the middle part. Uh, This is what your life is, is all these middle chapters that you're writing uh, congruently while God is watching over you. What's unfortunate, though, about that, that's amazing. What's unfortunate is the fact that some of us are writing chapters we're not too excited about. You know, some of us have some chapters that it's not worth reading. That's why I love that 2 Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And behold, the old has gone, the new has come. And God's always ready to start with a rewrite. 
You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, this is version 2.0 uh, that you're looking at right here. The old land and he has died. We're writing some new chapters. I don't even have to go back. You know, that was edited out. Uh, Jesus took the old razor and said, nope. Uh, chapters 3 through about 15, God, uh, you're a new creation. I can tell you something that's true for every single person in this room. You're not one in a million. You're one of a kind. God knit you together with a purpose in mind. And he wants all of our unique purposes to come together to form the living organism that is his church. The church that he gave his life for. Here's what you can write down. Contribute. This is what we do. We don't just congregate. We contribute. It's the uh, acronym team together. Everyone achieves more. I know that's cliche. I know it's cliche to say the best is yet to come. But the best is yet to come. Because we're living out God's purpose. If you're still breathing, God's not finished with you. He's got something you should do. And He wants you to bring heaven to earth. Now, if I could be super practical on this, it's why we uh, give you opportunities to serve in different ministry areas. So that you can contribute your purpose. Jesus served you. If you're going to be like Jesus, then you serve. Uh, got awful quiet when I said that. Uh, so let me give you an example. You say, Pastor, well, how do I serve? Um, what about Rhythm Kids? You could serve in Rhythm Kids. Uh, well, that's weird. I wore my Rhythm Kids amazing coincidence t-shirt this morning uh, that you happen to get if you serve back in Rhythm Kids. So there's that. Uh, you're thinking, though, Pastor, I don't really like kids. <laughs> That's not going to be the best place for me. That's fu- you know, this fine. I said the same thing uh, growing up. I said, I don't like kids. I'm never having kids. Then I got married and found out how kids were made. And I was like, babe, we've got to have a ton more kids. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, this is a- it's ridiculous. I apologize. Uh, but if filter will catch that at two services. Filtered second service, promise. Uh, my point is, uh, if you don't like kids... Serve somewhere else. You know, how many of y'all like getting the fact that you're sitting in a seat right now? Uh, how many of the, you like the fact that you're hearing a microphone? You got to see the band on stage. You got to hear them through speakers. I do. I like all of those things. Those things don't just happen. And Mary Poppins is in England right now, singing over their services, and that happens over. It does not happen here. Like those things all have to come together, and people have to physically do all of those things. But more importantly, those things matter. Uh, Those things allow us to let God show up and meet people where they're at. Uh, Did you know that in our nearly five years of existence, 83 people have met Jesus uh, in here? Has very little to do with what I'm doing right now. Has way more to do with the fact that all of you took down obstacles in front of them before they showed up to these doors and you served them in a way that they were open to hearing the gospel. So if you're wondering, what difference could it possibly make for me to come in here, set up chairs, get stuff off a trailer, set up, like what possible difference could that make? I don't know. Ask them in heaven if it was worth it. You know what I'm saying? The 83 people that have got to meet Jesus. Here's what I do know. Uh, We make a difference by congregating together and contributing our purpose after we've discovered it, which we want to help you do. That's why we have our next program. Uh, But you can't consistently contribute this purpose if you haven't found freedom. 
We're working our way backwards. I hope you've noticed that. How do you find freedom? Well, this is what we do. We connect. We connect. More specifically, we create friendships within this new anthem family. John chapter 8, verse 34 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Well, how do we break this slavery of sin, Jesus? A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. Hello, some of you need to claim on to that promise for you and your family. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. What Jesus is saying there is it takes a family for you to find freedom. You have to have people in your life who know the real you. You have to connect. It's why I'm so passionate about you getting into a small group. Uh, Because our small groups are not designed to make you a better prayer or uh, read the Bible better or give you a whole list of things that you're supposed to do in order to find God. No, our small groups are designed, the win for us in small group is when you gather together and you create some friendships and you you figure out who the real people are, not the mask that they're wearing or, you know, for an hour on Sunday, you think you're interacting with one person only to find out there's somebody completely different Monday through Friday. But here's the deal with connecting and creating friendships. That takes intentionality. It takes repetition. Listen to me. It takes time. You've you got to commit to the idea of connecting and creating friendships. I'll talk to you from some experience. That first week of small group, people are going to ask you, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? How are you? And you're going to say, oh, I'm pretty good, pretty, you know, just living the dream. But the fact, you're lying. Uh, it's, not, it's not pretty good. You, uh, you cussed the whole way there. It's to telling your spouse, yeah, I don't want to go small. I have no interest in going to see all of these people. You're cussing the whole... So listen, my goal for you is so that you don't have to cuss on the way to small group anymore. You know, you can cuss in group as far as I'm going to, you know, I mean, if you got, that's a joke. Okay. There are kids in here, pastor. I apologize. Uh, But I want people knowing the real you. I want you spending time and connecting and taking the mask off and getting to do life with each other. I want a safe place for you to come and live life intentionally and consistently with other believers. At the end of the day, all of us need a place where people uh, care about what we're going through and know who our family is by name. We all need a safe place to pray over each other's needs uh, and understand what it is that we're going through. We need people who can come and visit us at the hospital. We need people who will stand up and talk about us at our funeral. We need close people who will come uh, to your kids' wedding, uh, to your wedding potentially. You know, and if I can be brutally honest with you right now, I can't be that for everybody in this room. And if I tried, I'd really suck. And my family would never see me, and my kids would grow up hating God and hating the church because Daddy was never home. Furthermore, you're going to have a tough place uh, finding the Scripture that says my job is to do any of those things. Now, listen to me. Are they important? Absolutely, 100%. Yes. But ask yourself, are those social constructs or biblical ones? 
Plus, I'd just rather have the person who really knows me uh, be the one who encourages me at my wedding. I'd rather have that person who really knows me stand up and eulogize me at my funeral. That's why I like to think that Scripture teaches in Ephesians 4 that my job is to equip you, the saints, for ministry. I'm only one of the pastors here. Uh, You guys make way more of an impact than I ever will. Uh, Everybody I work with is already saved, right? I mean, it just tends to work a little better when the employees of the church are are saved. Uh, The people you work with potentially are not. That's why my job is to equip you to go out into the world. The only difference between you and me is uh, I have to be good because I get paid. No, you, I mean, y'all are good for nothing. That's just how, that's just how that works. But our small groups are designed for you to create friendships. They're designed for easy access in. They're only 10 weeks long. All you got to do is commit to 10 weeks. They're designed for easy access off. If you haven't been able to connect and find friendships, we'll get you into a different group so that you potentially can. But as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You have to be connected to other people in order to continue on this journey, the long haul. It's meant to be done together. So we make a difference when we congregate. We discover purpose when we contribute. We find freedom from the slavery of sin when we connect. Finally, we can't do any of that if we don't know God. Mark eight thirty four. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Everybody in our culture right now is trying to hold on to the past and have surgery and paralyze your face and uh, relive the glory days. And look, I don't want to die any more than the next person, but that's not God's ultimate goal for you. You know, the last time I checked, the death rate was hovering right around 100%. There's these two guys in the Old Testament, Enoch, Elijah. Uh, Don't worry about that. It's it's crazy. But, uh, you know, everybody's going to die. Even if you eat organic, you know? I mean, uh, you're just going to die with a nasty taste in your mouth. (laughs) I just much rather have the crispy... I don't know why my brain does that. I apologize. This is a serious thing, funny thing. Say the funny thing. I don't know. I promise we'll get that worked out as time goes on. Uh, But... Uh, some of you right now, you're living life uh, and you erroneously believe that you can run your life better than God can. And you're finding out the hard way that no, you can't. That's why Mark says that you've got to give up your own way. So as we try and land the plane this morning, if you hear nothing else, I say, this is what I want you to hear me say. God can do way more with your life than you can. That's why his goal is to get you to know him, to find freedom apart from slavery of sin. He wants you to intentionally live your life to discover your purpose and then make a difference. The best news that I can give you this morning is God wants to be an intimate part of your story. 
you're going to find way more significance in this life if you'll just commit to Jesus. That's what we do. We commit. We congregate. We contribute. You know, we make a difference in this life by connecting to each other all because we've committed our life to Jesus. I'm not just talking about praying some prayer, although I believe that's part of it. In fact, I'll give you an opportunity to pray a prayer and ask God to come into your heart when we close this morning. But I think it goes way deeper than that. I'm saying like a really commit to a local church. It doesn't have to be this church. I want you to find a church that you love. I just believe that Scripture has... uh, commanded you to find a local body of believers to do life with and start making a difference. Pastor, I can't do any of those, those things. I'm not physically able to, to serve. I, you know, there's life and everything. Can you pray? I would, I would argue that that's probably one of the best and biggest things that you could do. Wake up every single morning and beg God to show up at New Anthem Community Church, to save souls, to do what only He can do, to draw people close to Himself. I think that's probably the most important thing you could possibly do. Uh, I'd be a clanging gong if God didn't do something to move on somebody's behalf. You know what I'm talking about. Pray for that every single Sunday when you wake up. You can't do anything else. My point is, you've got to start living for purpose. You've got to start contributing to your life and making a difference. Uh, and especially for the people around you. That's what we do. Life transformation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to give you an opportunity to do what I just talked about and commit your life to Jesus. Like really commit to give up your own way, as Mark talked about. Uh, I invite you just in your heart to say a prayer with me. Make it real. Say, uh, say, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you right now. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord of my life. In your heart, say, Jesus, I believe you died. I believe you were buried. And I believe you rose from the dead. I put my faith in you. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to be able to follow up with you. Use that connection card in your welcome guide. Come see me. I want to get some information in your hands. But as we continue to pray, I want to pray for each person in this room this morning to discover their purpose, to figure out a way they can contribute. God, we thank you for new life. We thank you for everyone who's here this morning, all the ways that they're already serving and contributing. But God, we want to to align ourselves with the vision that you have for our lives. We do believe that where there is no vision, people perish. And so we want to live life and live it to the full. And so I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Encourage each person here this morning, but help align their hearts to your heart. Uh, Help show them how they can connect and contribute 
uh, start getting involved in the story that you're telling. Help them to to rewrite these pages that you've uh, seen in your book. Edition 2.0, 3.0, wherever people are at, God, just do what only you can do. We love you, we thank you, we praise you just for even the opportunity to gather in this place. Everybody said, amen.